On this Saturday cast, how to stay focused on the long game so you can turn your vision into reality. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 531. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born. They're made, and this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. This is one of the Saturday casts. Several times a year, I air a Saturday episode that's a chat with one of our Academy members or listeners. The next regular episode is still coming on Monday, so this is an extra episode. These Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to create movement in their leadership development and organizational results. You can discover more and get alerted about opportunities to apply for the Academy by visiting coachingforleaders.com academy. Today, I'm so pleased to have one of our Academy alumni with us today. His name is Manu Mazanti. He is an energy giver who brings focus and resilience to bold and daring transformative journeys. As a regional talent development leader for a global consulting firm, Manu is committed to enabling talent potential through coaching, facilitation, and leadership development. He is out there to make an impact. He's also a father of two, a conscious leader, and he's a marathon runner. Three hours and three minutes you wrote to me, Manu, on your fastest marathon. That's pretty impressive, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave, and thank you for having me. And for this really kind word of introduction, um, especially the marathon, which is four years uh, behind now. But I'm really looking forward to this as a big fan of the show and as a former member of the Academy. And and I'm really approaching this with curiosity and also with this kind of, I really want to give to the audience. And so I hope this is going to be a rich conversation between us, Dave. I know it will be. You have been so gracious over the years, not only during the Academy, but before and after to reach out to me to share the show on LinkedIn. And also you've made regular recommendations to me of guests we should have on the show. In fact, <laughs> I have an email in my inbox right now. I don't even think I've replied to from you yet um, <laughs> with a recommendation. So thank you so much for just being such a wonderful part of our community. And maybe a good place for us to start this conversation is actually how it started. How did you come across the podcast originally? Do you recall? I, I do. It was a pure moment of serendipity. You know, those moments are totally unexpected. I met a former colleague of mine, an Italian colleague of mine in Gothenburg, Sweden. Her name is Ilaria Barletta. She's a huge fan of the show, now in Australia. And over a coffee, she happened to mention your podcast. Huh. And truth be said, Dave, I was not into podcasts until then. So curiosity, as it always does to people, you know, that moved me into action. But to bottom line your question, it was by word of mouth. And I guess that we're not surprised, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, it is really interesting how, I mean, as good as search and all that is uh, online out there, how many of our listeners really do find the show by word of mouth? So thank you to her for the introduction. I, I'm so glad. And and you did dive in and you started listening. And one of the things you shared with me is just some of the early episodes that you listened to that were really helpful in thinking about your journey. And one of the people, I know you've told me that 
came up on your radar screen in an episode from a while back was Ken Coleman and one of those early episodes you listened to. What is it that you heard from Ken when he was on the show that got you thinking in a new way? Oh, what an episode, Dave. I, I still remember where I was when I listened to it. You know, that's how powerful it was. And it was one of the first few episodes that I listened to because I probably like many of the people who come across your show, you start going back in the episodes. And I was listening to maybe five a day in the evening, early morning. But I still remember that episode. And you know what I remember is the embodiment of the emotions as I really felt uh, that something was shifting inside me. The episode was 352, How to Find Your Calling. And you see, Dave, going back to that episode, I, I had a successful career. I moved to Sweden. Uh, I had been in consulting for nearly 20 years. I started as a graduate, 24-year-old, you know, migrant to Australia from Italy, doing blue-collar jobs, just happy to be in the lucky country, then working my way up in financial and professional services, moving country, taking on more responsibilities, opportunities, all the way to a leadership role. But was I doing what I loved? So that's where I was in my thinking when I came across the episode. Uh, and the podcast, and then the pinball dropped. You mentioned to me in a past conversation that you really found his analogy about climbing a mountain useful to you. Would you tell us what was useful from that? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's funny because I, as a mountain lover from Italy, I love hiking. And that image that Ken gave us, you're climbing up a mountain and then suddenly you realize that there's a mountain on the other side of the valley and that's the mountain that you should be, uh, you should be really climbing. And eventually, I think it comes to a point where we have to stop and we have to take a hard look at what we're doing. And instead of taking the steps up the mountain, we need to kind of stop trying to fix you know, um, the drama or whatever is playing in front of us. And instead of taking that opportunity, when we look across the chasm or the valley and we see the mountain we should be climbing to ask ourselves the question that Ken asks, which is really powerful. What wants to happen here? You know, it, this is an opportunity. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to be in service? Who do you want to help? What problems do you want most to solve? And I think that to stop from as high achievers, as leaders, as doers, as people in movement to actually stop, be intentional about it and say, stop and zoom out. In a recent episode, you had Mary Bush and she said, zoom out, uh, take a matter of you, you know, look across that valley at the other mountain. And so I think this was really for me, what looking at the other mountain, you know, the pull to lean into this discomfort and to adapt, you know, to choose a different route, to grow, to take wise action as a really conscious leader. It's also a great lead-in to one of the other folks you mentioned to me that was helpful in your thinking early on, and that's Keith Ferrazzi. And he makes the point in his most recent book, and he did in the episode we had him on, that leadership starts with you. When you heard that message from him, what was it that was useful from what he said? Keith, Keith has been a shining light for me in professional services since 2005. Uh, I first came across his work 16 years ago when he published the Never Eat Alone. Yeah, me and, too. Yeah, and, and leadership starts with you, in particular, the concept of co-elevation, I think is so important in our times, you know, where 
we have constant innovation, agility, speed of decision-making. And at the same time, the whole chain of command, the whole ways of working in silos and business units, especially today with distributed teams, hybrid teams, it's, it's really not serving us very well. So this concept that um, leadership starts with you, he has a message that is powerful. He says, you always go first. You know, leadership starts with you, seize the initiative, change how you work with other people around you. You know, you embrace this kind of extreme ownerships, but in, in a very compassionate way, because he says, ask yourself, what is my part? You know, it asks you to give up being right. And both Keith and, and Ken, um, if we think about it, they really ask you, who do you want to become? And who as a leader, you know, how can you be more open, more vulnerable, compassionate, open doors to trust and safety in the team? And, and this is really the foundations of high-performing teams. And then it dives into the concept of co-elevation. But to me, this is the key message of leadership starts with you. And like you went through in the podcast, all the excuses that you had, you just have to let go. Always go first, seize the initiatives, change how you work with the people around you, and lead from a place of you know being a really uh, conscious leader who brings the whole person to the table. And this is a message that if I can just expand one second, because it's been key in my work as a talent development leader, and I'm really passionate about this, and maybe it comes through my voice as well. I'm reading a book, which is Shine by Carly Hawk, and it really resonated with me as I'm working on transformative leaders. I want everyone to really get the message that what Keith says about leadership starts with you. You is your per- the whole person. It's your resilient, self-aware, emotional, intelligent, loving, healthy, authentic, brave you. And I think there is a, a lot to say about this because it's really when you're fully congruent between your inner game and your outer game and you lead from the inside out that you really shine as a leader. And so this is where Keith message for me it's it's really critical in this age, day and age. Oh, me too, Manu. I, in fact, years ago when I started the podcast, I created a category on the website called personal leadership, and I think we've had I don't know which category has the most episodes in it, but certainly personal leadership is in the top four or five for sure. And we've had so many episodes on that, and it it really does come down to us leading ourselves well first, and that's I know contrary to sometimes how people have historically and traditionally thought about leadership. You know, leadership is about what I am doing for others and how I'm trying mm. to get others to move. And 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 yes, that is all true. And and it's a big and how do I start first? Beginning with me. And in some mm. cases, beginning with me in a way where I don't have maybe even formal authority over others. And even if I do, it's really trying to come from a place of influence and invitation and not from position power. And one of the things you mentioned to me in the past is that leading without authority is key. And that was also a, a, a big lesson from Keith is starting to think about that through the lens of, you know, even when you do have the position power of really starting from a place of how do I lead without authority? Absolutely. And, you know, the concept of co-elevation. And I was thinking of you, Dave, when I, I read the book, I didn't know he was coming on the show. And I had all the transcripts from the book. I took the masterclass. And as I'm reading, I'm thinking, you know, if I was you preparing, uh, I know you take a lot of time to prepare for your guests. Uh, we're talking hours, you know, for one episode. And 
And then you get these revelation moments, you know, when you realize, ah, this person has managed to put into words and a convincing framework, something that intuitively I've been sensing for a while. Uh I'm talking Simon Sinek or uh, James Clear, Keith Perazzi, Brené Brown. I I don't know if that speaks to you, but uh, that was the reaction when I heard Keith about on leadership. Uh, leading without authority and and co-elevation as a mission-driven approach, like you said, collaborating and uh, fluid partnerships, self-organizing teams. Uh, It was so powerful. It's so great when you read a book or hear a speaker or hear someone on a podcast and they they can capture in words kind of like what's been in the back of your brain for many years and you sort of haven't had the right words for it. And then someone says a phrase or a paragraph or you read it, you're like, Ah, that's exactly what I, I. That's exactly the words I just have never been able to put together for myself, and I, I, I have that feeling often. And in, in having guests on the show, of like, wow, they said it so much better than I could have. And then, and then taking that and and then utilizing it to do better in the world and and help clarify all of our thinking. It, it it's so fun when that happens. And and you know, you mentioned leadership without authority outside the lines of you know. Um, the chain of command, and it's, I think there's a big shift here because what we talk about here, and it's authors like Keith Ferrazzi and many others, it's that generosity of spirit. It's really coming from a place of vulnerability where you're not wearing a shield as a leader, um, and you really show this kind of true sense of commitment to your teammates, which might not be your strict team, right? Because he's talking about breaking silos, reaching across the organizations. And I think this kind of work, you know, at least in my experience in the market, which is the reality, let's be honest, it's it's really what is happening today in, in so many of global organizations like mine. But this calls for something, and we go back to the concept that I mentioned earlier of bringing the whole person, because what it needs is a personal transformation. You know, it's people that starts from a very deep sense of purpose, and then they kind of like you said, through a better you, Dave, you can really inspire others. And I remember the first time I heard Jim Rohn on this one, and I said, oh, I don't know if I get this. And he was saying, let me take care of me so that I can better take care of you. And 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 you really, you start to get it, you know, because you are there for others. But the first thing you need to do um, is to really uh, be that resilient leader yourself first so that you can lead better. It's been really an interesting journey for me, and I wonder if this has happened for you too, Manu, um, since I entered the workforce professionally over 20 years ago, it seemed like when I started, there was so much of a very conscious and deliberate separation of work and anything outside of work. And that is still the case in some places. But yes. but but even in the places where that's still the case, there's there's definitely been a ton of movement in the last 20 years toward showing up in the workplace as our whole selves. And and that doesn't mean like, you know, bringing in anything personally and not relevant <laughs> to the workplace, of course. But it's really been interesting to make the shift from stopping thinking about like what traditionally we've called work-life balance and thinking of it more as a work-life integration and how we can show up with our interests and with our values. And in a lot of organizations and a lot of industries, not only is that more accepted, in some places, maybe just a little more tolerated. But in a lot of places, it's actually been a really significant movement and, and shift. And, and it's brought its own challenges, too. And, and there's been lots of examples and will be of, of that being a challenge. But it's also been really fun to be able to show up 
and do work and to learn and to grow. And even through the pandemic, we've seen this more of like really seeing the opportunities that an organization can really leverage when you allow people to show up as their whole selves. And I, and I really hear that heart in your work, Manu, and in your values and just thinking about the vision you created when you came into the academy. So much yeah. of that has been there and consistent. And I think it's one of the reasons you've been so successful in your work. Well, we can touch on the vision because I think that was an amazing what happened to the vision. But um, I think we go back to Ken Ken's episode and something is said and he said, you need to carve out, carve out time alone. And I really believe if we go back to the um, pinball machine, one of the most important works that I've read in, in the past few years has been the work by Alan Seal on transformational presence. And the, for me, the pandemic, because you touched on the pandemic and Ken's when he said you need to carve out time alone, I really took the time to, to be me and the mirror, my journal, my meditation practice, and have these questions linger, the one that Ken asks in the, in the podcast. And, and of course, you know, uh, the decision to join the academy and the work that we did. But I really think it's important that people, if there is one message, you know, it's take time to in, be really intentional about zooming out, taking that bigger view from the mountain you're climbing across the valley, what else is around you and what is, you know, uh, this is an opportunity for us to reshape the way that we bring ourselves to work, but most of all, raise our self-awareness, which we're always uh, running at 1,000 miles per hour. And it's amazing with, with the work at the academy because as you work on that self-awareness and identity, you know, it really clarify your motivations, um, raises your confidence as well. And the beautiful thing is that when the right opportunity knocks, you know it is the right one and you're ready for it. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that moment and the vision you created because I think that's really key to what you made work through this. Before I do, one of the other people you mentioned a bit ago was James Clear. And I know he shaped a lot yeah. of your thinking, and that actually relates to some of the things you did in the academy too. Absolutely. Uh, what is it that you learned from James Clear on habits that was so useful to you? Wow. Well, there's a critical lesson in his work that really resonates, and it's the changes that we bring to our habits. And they might seem small and unimportant at first, but they will compound into truly remarkable results. If, and there is an if, if we're willing to stick with them. And for me, you know, as a leader, you need to walk the talk and, and it says, how can I build resilience and incorporate good behaviors and break bad ones, let's be honest. And so I think some of the key messages that he had start with identity. And we go back to the work at the academy. And then the second one is, it's not the results that need to change, but the processes and habits are what needs to change. Uh, and then the third message that really resonated with me was, how can you make it simple and satisfying so that you actually get traction? And we focus a lot on setting goals, which is fine, but it's to actually get there, it's all about the systems, you know, and the process and those tiny atomic habits. That might be an interesting transition to thinking about what prompted you to reach out to mm. me about the academy and just what you did as you came in with the vision and some of the habits. What did prompt sure. you to reach out when you decided you wanted to do more? <laughs> well, uh, three key reasons uh, that really led me to join the academy. Uh, the first one was that I, I was in a new leadership role. I moved to the Nordics and I was in the BD leadership team. And 
I really needed to fast track and accelerate my leadership skills. Number two, I was seeking objective perspectives. You know, when some of the things you're working through and you can't really find them within your organization, you know, you need something more. And that's why people even join the MBAs and they found this beautiful cohort. And the third one, number three, I was looking for a team of peers who would provide good coaching for some of those situations where, and decisions, you know, and I was really glad I joined because the intimate group that you facilitated, Dave, you know, we're still friends and it was a real joy to work with. And like we mentioned, the academy delivered in spades on, uh, in spades on its promises and that key focus of creating movement along the leadership journey. But those three reasons were really the key ones that made me join. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And I, I'm so glad. And, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, you and I have continued to talk and stay in touch is just, you know, how consistent you were with that movement and, and, and how much you did move on. And, you know, we were talking a moment ago about just the system and changing the system, right? And, and one of the systems we use in the academy is getting really clear on what the vision is two to three years out. Where do I want to be as a professional, as a person, as a human being? And then it's all about then after we get clarity on that, then it's about what's the habits and the behaviors I'm going to change through the 90-day commitments. What did you put in your vision? And then what did you do to start that process of movement? Mm. I remember how powerful it was when we started with the vision because I didn't really know where to start. And there were some you know, it, it, the work was about drafting a clear pitch of our future, uh, our future self, you know, two or three years out. And so I think what was really powerful at the beginning was the visualization exercises, such as what projects are you working on? What is on your desk? Or like we, uh, we actually said, do I actually have a desk? Uh, you know, questioning things and what makes you so excited? But the key question for me was, who will you become? You know, who will you become again? Uh going back to Ken's episode. So to go back to your question, my vision shaped and it was really hinging on three key pillars. It was the team leadership, personal leadership, and the business leadership. And I felt that what helped was really articulating it, getting that clarity, stress testing the vision with the members, and but really start executing on it, you know, like we said, by creating those systems and, and and taking that identity uh, as we were working through the months and the sessions. So for me, it was just amazing to see how as you go through the process, and like we mentioned, it's not about the goal per se, it's really about the process and that movement. I executed on number one, the team leadership aspect. I started to execute really on the number two, the personal leadership. And the interesting thing was that uh, number three, the business leadership frame of reference was not what I actually expected, but went way behind my expectations. So I guess you got to be careful what you wish for at the Academy because you might get it all. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard that a few times. What is it that happened that you weren't expecting? Well, I, w I was seeing myself pivoting. I spent 20 years in, uh, in client executive roles, business development, and I really wanted to serve companies as a people advisory consultant. So I'm big on supporting organizations addressing these talent development and learning challenges and what we call the future of work agenda. But 
I was going to, in my head, I was going to make a difference for, you know, a few clients at the time, uh, a few clients a year, every year. Turns out I had the opportunity to become the talent development and learning leader in the Nordics. And together with my team, we have nearly 8,000 people under our um, span of care in Northern Europe. So we're talking Denmark, Norway, Finland, and, and Iceland. Wow. So I was not expecting to be serving 8,000 people, put it this way. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, I think about, and I think one of the things that's really interesting is I remember when you shared that vision with us and we talked about the business leadership, and I think this gets to what you said about systems, is you actually started a lot of movement very early on in the academy. And if I'm remembering right, you tell me if I'm wrong, you didn't mm. see a lot of what we would call the lagging indicators happen immediately. You know, the, the, the things that happened down the road, you were putting in a lot of leading indicators. You were taking the action, you were changing your habits, but there wasn't any outward change initially. But because you did so much of the leading indicators of, I just, I remember how much intentionality you were having on networking and building relationships and doing things on LinkedIn and some of your commitments, because you did that so consistently, you laid a foundation that ultimately <laughs> resulted in a really big transition happening for you in your career. And it was really fun to see that. And I guess that's one of the things I'm curious about. You mentioned an example a bit ago. What's one of those things that you did do as far as your regular behavior change, one of those leading indicators system-wise that in retrospect really helped to put in that new habit? What I did, you know, like you mentioned, I was doing a lot of things and maybe you know, I grew up with this idea of what gets measured gets done. And to give an example, we mentioned the marathon running. I was one of those, you know, five runs a week, uh, so many hundreds of kilometers a week. And and I, I wasn't really gracious towards myself. So now that I think and I look back at my experience, Dave, I think what really made the difference was when I started being a more agile, full of vitality, more present leader. I remember mentioning you at the time, taking up meditation, and that wasn't really working, but I was trying too hard. And I remember you once told me, um, you know, just be graceful to yourself. You know, look at how much road you've covered already and don't try so hard. And so if we go back to that episode with uh, James Clear, make it simple and make it satisfying. I think I was trying too hard and uh, I wasn't really making it simple on myself. I was trying to set the bar too high and that was another great lesson from you that I learned and I apply also with my counselees is don't set the bar too high, you know, tiny habits, set it lower, clear it, get that confidence to go further on your journey. But so I, I want just to give you an example of something that for me, based on James Clear, made, makes a lot of differences. You want to be that resilient leader. And we mentioned it's all about those systems and those tiny, tiny habits. And so that leader full of vitality, who brings the energy, who's engaging and inspiring, you know, I started doing things like, and honestly, I've never done it before, having a piece of fruit a day, an apple. I'm not talking a Hershey apple pie bar. I'm talking about a real <laughs> apple fruit, meditating, taking the walk around the block instead of running, but, you know, do more, but without that kind of stress on your body necessarily, doing meditation in the morning, but also started to write a journal where I was putting down the things I was grateful for for the day at the end of the day when I was having a cup of tea before going to bed, switching off the mobile phone and and, and the other technology. So it was only these tiny little uh, behaviors that really 
put me in, in a more yeah as a as a conscious leader and uh, and and really made a difference for me in in really unlocking uh, some of the potential that was trapped simple things like before taking a call doing 60 to 90 seconds breathing exercises but really keeping that journal like make it satisfying because as you see some of these habits tracking and building streaks to me it it really built a lot of resilience. And I tell you, the most amazing thing for me as an Italian, I actually gave up drinking alcohol and wine. So talking about that resilience um, for Italian, no vino. So, but, but it's amazing how saying no to things as well, as, as well as embracing the yeses, builds resilience in the long run and then makes you better for the, for the journey of transformation. Um, and that's what happens during the academy. Consistency is so much better in the long run than intensity, isn't it? You mentioned me inviting you to do a little less, take on things that were smaller. Yeah, and absolutely. that's that's the thing. And, and you saw with others in our, our academy cohort too, that I find myself doing more than anything else in our sessions is so many people are like you and me that we're high achievers. We've had a lot of success in our careers that are part of our listening community. And we set the bar so high for ourselves in so many areas of our lives, professional and personal, that we don't really make any practical movement in a lot of cases, even though we intend well. But when we set the bar lower, and not lower from an outcome like I don't want to be as effective, but lower as in, let me make this easier for me to do with consistency, that that over the long run, we get a lot more traction, all of us, on doing something consistently. And like you said just a moment ago, like saying yes to the things that are worth saying yes to and investing there and saying no to the things that just don't add anything and aren't really that valuable to us in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, the message here, whether it's Keith Ferrazzi or James Clear or Dave Stahoviak, is it's clear. I mean, leadership is really this journey of continuous self-improvement and um, like we mentioned from the inside out, and also this, you mentioned the movement and it's constantly to purpose. I think it was a, a, an English prime minister 200 years ago that said success is constantly to purpose. And going back to Jim Rohn, you know, when he says everything you do affects everything else, it, it really is amazing when these small, healthy habits that puts you in a good place to be a better father and then a more relaxed leader, a more open and vulnerable leader, Everything affects each other, and then you really start shining, uh, honestly, and you can serve others better, and you can transform your life, but also the life of others. And And I think uh, we can then look at the ripples and what we can do in the world. This sense of agency, which is also key in Keith's in Keith, uh, message. You've been listening to the show for a long time, Manu, so you've heard my evolution over the years of uh, interviewing folks and my own journey. And one of the things I know you know, is that I often ask people what they've changed their minds on because so much of leadership and, and life too is just us learning and growing. And, and sometimes we're changing our minds on things. As you've been down this journey over the last few years, through the academy, through your career growing, through the personal changes you've made, looking back now, what have you changed your mind on in the last few years? Well, in the last few years, I like to really frame it in the last uh, 15 months. I was a, a little bit in despair um, a year ago as a father of two relatively young children. The world, let's say, it wasn't a picture of health, uh, Dave, before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit. And and at the beginning, I thought, oh, this is not really helpful. helpful. But I, what I changed my mind is that 
The pandemic for me on a personal level has been a fantastic opportunity to really recalibrate, take that meta view and change my life for better as a leader, as a conscious leader. But I think also more holistically, you know, when you look at the way that we had to relearn the values of compassion, generosity, kindness, and building system and organizations that institutionalize those values. I look even at my company and the amazing journey in talent development and how the language has shifted. And I think this is not a nice to have day. This is companies which will fail to incorporate these values and, you know, really make them part of their structures will eventually die. And the beauty of this is that we can all be change agents. We can make an impact and start ripples. We can indeed change the world, just like we thought when you know we were teenagers. Of course, we cannot make those people change, all of them, but we can create an environment as leaders where they choose to change. And this is my big mission now. In times like this, it's really what it takes, you know, this kind of leading from the heart and shifting our ways of thinking, leading from the inside out, to truly lead more consciously at work uh, to build a better working world. Manu Mazanti, what a pleasure it has been to serve you in the Academy and beyond. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. I'm grateful. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. To get into more detail on the experts that Manu mentioned, several related episodes that'll be helpful to you. One of them's episode 352, How to Find Your Calling with Ken Coleman. We talked about the analogy that Ken and I discussed in that conversation of spending all that time climbing the mountain, sometimes for years in our careers, and then looking out and seeing a different mountain and realizing, well, maybe that's the mountain we were supposed to be on. And what do you do when you have that realization? Ken talked about that in detail in episode 352 may be helpful to you if you've found yourself in that situation a bit in your career. I'd also recommend episode 376, How to Become the Person You Want to Be with James Clear, man who talked about the importance in that conversation of thinking about not just setting a goal, but really changing an identity a bit. We talk about that a lot and practice that within our academy community and a lot of insight on how you can do that as well in episode 376 with James. Uh, We also mentioned the work of Keith Ferrazzi on episode 488, Leadership Means You Go First. That's Keith's message in so much of his work and especially in that episode we talked about that in detail. Also, we mentioned Tom Henschel's work on the way to make sense to others, and Tom's really helpful model on sorting and labeling was a very popular episode last year. If that is something you'd like to get better at, episode 518 is where to go for that. And then finally, we mentioned the recent conversation with Maybush, making the case for your promotion. That is episode 526. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. The very best thing to do is to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com because that'll allow you to search the entire library since 2011 by topic. So whether your topic of interest right now is executive presence or perhaps it's career growth or maybe it's feedback Whatever's important to you right now, that's the place to begin within the library. And if you'll set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, that will get you started on everything you need to do to navigate that well within our library, plus access to so much more, all the free audio courses, the weekly leadership guide. And for those who are interested in discovering more about the Academy, when you're on the website, there's a little
little button that says Academy on top, or you can just go to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy to be alerted about future application opportunities. I look forward to seeing you online on the coachingforleaders.com site. Next week, I'm glad to welcome, actually, you know, it's it's just a couple days away here on Monday, Jim Harder from Gallup is returning to the show this Monday to help us discover how to help people thrive. Join me for that conversation. And finally, a bit of a community service announcement here. When I see a concern happening in the world, I feel like I should do something to try and call it out, perhaps mitigate it a bit. I received an email from a longtime listener recently telling me that her two children, when they hear my greeting at the start of this show, regularly smile, laugh, and even do something that approaches dancing when the episodes open. This is not the kind of thing a person sees coming when they start a podcast about leadership. But since I now know that this is a concern and that this show can have a strange effect on at least some children, a warning to parents to watch out for this behavior, should you see it as well. And if your names are Finley and Isla, just know that I'm already working with your mom and we'll find a way to help you recover from this ridiculous condition. Have a great week and see you back on Monday with Jim Harder from Gallup. Take care, everybody.